tonight. Revelation chapter number 10 tonight. Revelation <clears throat> chapter number 10. Um, it's our 20, 20th message um, in the series entitled The Revelation. And uh, this is an odd scene in the book of Revelation, to say the least. And this is another pause in the midst of the judgment. And I'm going to state to you something just quickly, um, just so you don't get it confused. Well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Never mind. I'll state to you as you go. It's all right. It's a pause in the midst of the judgments, right? And so six judgments have been accomplished. Six of the trumpet judgments have been accomplished. And uh, seven of the sealed judgments have been accomplished up to this point. And um, the seventh judgment is still yet to pass. The seventh trumpet judgment is still yet to pass. And, and, and it, I don't believe it's a coincidence that between the sixth and the seventh sealed judgment, there was a, there was a pause. And then between the sixth and seventh trumpet judgment, there's also a pause. We'll notice some very significant things here. Um, and uh, in the midst of the darkness of the wrath of God, which is what it is going on that we see here, there's a pause. And so those pauses oftentimes state mercy and just different things. But this one I'm going to preach just a simple thought straight out of the book. And I'm going to preach on the angel and the little book. The angel and the little book. I don't know what else to title it. And so I'm going to preach the angel and the little book this evening. And I'm going to, I'm going to need the help of God tonight. This is a hard passage. I've spent many, many hours in prayer over it and asking the Lord to help us as I need help in this. So let's read the passage and let's read the whole chapter. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 10, verse number 1, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. We're going to be very slow reading, okay? Got to be, and a rainbow was, above, was, was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. My first thought would be Revelation chapter 1, a description of Christ. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the sea. My first thought would be Christ later on. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. My first thought would be Christ. Um, and because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that, create, that liveth forever and ever who createth heaven and the things that there are in, therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be no time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go, and take the little book, which is open, second time they've said it's open, 
in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall be make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it up, hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many tongues, nations, excuse me, people, tongues, nations, and kings. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us as we read the scriptures. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness tonight. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. We ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please help each individual that's here tonight. Lord, I need your help. We all need your help here tonight. We can do no thing without you, Lord. And I pray, God, tonight that you would get ultimate glory from this place tonight. Lord, as we preach the Scriptures, let us not do it any injustice. But, Lord, let's break it down rightly, divide it, or just as you would see fit, Lord. We need your help tonight, and we, we plead the blood over that. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. The angel and the little book. The angel and the little book. We see this and we see a lot in it. And I, I purposely described it as Christ as we went out throughout that. Um, but I'm gonna, I don't believe it's Christ at all. And so but we're going to go through this. And I'd like to mention, number one, there's a mysterious angel that appears there's a In my study on this, I just want to be circumspect and very clear to you. I do not believe that this is Jesus. I do not believe that this is Jesus. There are many, many commentaries that do believe that this is Jesus. So I'm not doing injustice to anybody or going against anybody else. But I do not believe that it is Jesus. And if that's what you believe, that's fine, and I'm fine with that. Here in a minute, I'll show you why I do not believe this to be Jesus. But however, John sees this mighty angel that comes down from heaven. And maybe this is the same angel that is described in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 2. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 2, there's another angel that is mentioned, and I saw a Strong angel. There's a strong angel in Revelation 5 and verse number 2. Revelation 18 and verse number 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having a great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. That angel had great power. And the Lord just showed me something as I just read that, by the way. But there's a great power in this angel. And I'll go ahead and tell you what I was going to tell you earlier. Um, but... This, they, they, there was something that stumped me when I was reading this. And this, some, what stumped me is I was going to preach this on Wednesday night. But I wasn't ready to preach this on Wednesday night as I told you. And simply because I had it ready. But when I got to chapter number 12 or chapter number 11 rather, it says in verse 3, And I will give power under my two witnesses. That's the same angel. Well, let's think about that. I don't believe this is Christ. I don't believe this is Christ at all. And I'll tell you in just a minute why I don't believe it's Christ. But there's one thing that we can think about for sure is the angel in 18.1 has power. 
And then also another thing we can think of is angels gave power in the Old Testament as the Lord's representative. And then another thing, what if the two witnesses already had power given to them? You with me? And you will be indwelt. What if they've already been indwelt? What if they've already had the power of the Holy Ghost? What if you say, well, the Holy Ghost, what are you talking about the Holy Ghost? Well, it says there'll be two olive trees. Olive always represents the Holy Ghost. And, and nonetheless, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, but that oil always represents the Holy Spirit. And we understand that. And, but John sees this mighty angel come down. And this is not something that's unusual to John. John has seen, he's experienced many angels thus far. But notice a few things about this angel. I want you to notice, number one, I want you to notice the arrival of this angel. And I saw another angel, mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a crown. Many, th- many believe this to be Christ simply because it is described to be mighty. Now, here's a problem that I have. John uses the word again, another. He uses the word another. That word in the Greek term means alos and it means just that, another. And so, so, so Jesus is not just another angel. Um, he's actually higher than the angels. He's different. He's different. Uh, he is the creator. And angels were created by Him. And many also state that this is Christ because He did appear in the Old Testament as we know as Christophanes or Theophanes or otherwise known as the angel of the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, and he did. He 100% did. But you've got to understand, we're not in the Old Testament no more. Amen? But how come in the whole other 26 books of the New Testament, Jesus is never described as an angel? Jesus is never once described as an angel in all other 26 books of the Bible from Matthew to Jude. He's not described once as an angel. What makes it different here? Why would he be described as an angel now? In the first nine chapters of the book of Revelation, he's not described as an angel. And so why is he described as an angel now if this is Jesus? Well, I don't believe that it is. Why why is this angel speaking of one that ever liveth in verse 5 and verse 6? He's making an oath. Look with me just for a second. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 13 uh, The Bible says right there, the Bible says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And then look in verse 16, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. He he said, "I, I can't swear to anybody else but to myself. I believe that to debunk the argument completely. This arrival of the angel. Secondly, I want you to notice not only the arrival, but I want you to notice the avenue of the angel. The Bible says he cometh down from heaven. He cometh. He come down from heaven. Now, as far as I have seen, this is the first happening of a such descent. None have come down from heaven thus far. One has been fallen from heaven, but not one has come down from heaven willingly. That's, there's never been a freely descended angel in the book of Revelation thus far. Such angels prior came from the east, right? They came from the east in Revelation chapter number 6. They came from the east uh, when they were holding back the winds. 
And so I believe this shows us that heaven is in direct action with what is taking place on earth at this point. Heaven is in direct action to it. There is an exact thing that's taking place here and heaven has all of its eyes on it. Uh, also, if it were Christ, why, if this were Christ and He's standing upon the earth, wouldn't He have to have a third coming? Is that right? Because He's standing upon the earth. We agree with that, right? Amen? He's standing upon the earth, so if this were Christ, wouldn't He have to have a third coming when He comes at His second advent? The avenue of this angel. Then I want you to notice the apparel of this angel. Now the apparel of this angel, it says he's clothed with a cloud. Right? Many state this to be Christ simply because of this. Exodus chapter 13 verse 21. There was a cloud and it was, it was God and he followed the children of Israel. Is that right? There was a cloud by day, fire by night. Right? Travel by cloud by day. Exodus chapter 19 verse 9. The Lord at Sinai descended in a thick cloud. So, could it be? It's associated with the Lord. However, this is a representation of the old. The garment of God's presence in the old. God doesn't need that garment anymore. Right? So, let's move on. The avenue, the apparel, and uh, we've seen the arrival. Fourthly, I want you to notice the appearance of this angel. The Bible says that the rest of this verse, we're just walking down verse number 1, and a rainbow was about his head. His face was at the word of the sun, his feet as the pillars of fire. Sure, this could absolutely represent Christ. But whoever this angel may be, they, they surely have been in the presence of God. Moses came down off the mountain and looked the same way. So you tell me why this couldn't be somebody else. Right? The angel had a rainbow about his head. Well, this word in the Greek is the word iris. It's the word iris, which also speaks of a female messenger of Greek gods. But it also could speak of something different. It can be described as any bright halo surrounding an object. We see it in Revelation chapter 4, around the throne of God. It's, It's the same word. But nonetheless, we know what the rainbow represents originally. And it represents God's covenant with the earth. That's what it represents. A promise with the earth. And and when the rain stopped, Noah and his family are the only ones that saw the rainbow. And so to them, I'm sure it was a great sign of mercy, don't you think? I'm sure it was a great sign of mercy. I'm sure that it was. In the middle of all the judgment, it was a great sign of mercy to see that there was a rainbow. Perhaps there's a sense of that here. Maybe there is. But this angel is also described to have his face as it were the sun. Well, when when the sun shines through a cloud, what does it portray? A rainbow. I'm just saying, I'm just saying the, that this, this, this angel, I don't believe this angel is the Lord. Does this look like Jesus? Sure. Could it be? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's move on. We see the mysterious angel appears. Secondly, I want you to notice the message the angel announces. The angel stands with one foot on the sea and another foot on the earth with a little book in his hand. 
And in that, he proclaims a message to John, the beloved. The last book is described in chapter 5, and with the actions within the context of that chapter, we can see that it deals with the earth, right? The book in Revelation chapter 5, who is worthy to open the book? We dealt with that, and it had, its contents was in the earth, and it gave us that. But now we see another book, but it's a little book. It's open. Can we use the same methods to give the context of that book? Well, we'll deal with this shortly. But I would like to first deal with the message of the angel, okay? So we're skipping verse number 2. I want you to notice verse number 3. We'll come back to verse 2. And cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. I want you to notice this message that this angel gives. It's a dominant message. It's a dominant message. And as this angel roared, the heavens sounded its affirmation as seven thunders uttered their voices. What an astounding picture that this is. What a great picture. And many believe this to be the Lord because of His lion likeness. However, the devil and his gang also represents lions, so that takes that out of there. Ordinary. Right? Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 8. They have teeth like lions. Revelation chapter 9 and verse 17. They have a face like a lion. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. They roar like a lion. Does that make his cries? No. We, we understand, however, that the Lord had in times past given power unto angels as his representatives through Scripture. Genesis chapter number 19, verse 21 through 24, he gave angels power to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? Daniel chapter 10, he gave angels power to overcome Satan for a short time. And as Daniel was there, and there was an angel that gave Daniel power. Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. Jesus said, could I not call 12 legions of angels? He, he, wanted, he said, I could call them to get me down from this cross. I could. Did angels not have the power to minister unto Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane? An angel ministered to him. All I'm saying, he could do it here too. Amen. Whoever this angel is, he's been given power. Then notice verse 4, the Bible says, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. It's a dominant message, friend, but it's, it's a disguised message. The, the seven thunders spoke, and, and it seems John was about to write what, it had, what, they, what he had heard. And, and then all of a sudden a voice came from heaven, uh, and possibly the Lord, I would say, and, and told him to seal up the things that he heard. Don't write them down. Whatever the thunder stated, the Lord didn't want written and revealed. There are many things I cannot explain. However, this message is clear that it's disguised from our understanding. It's very clear. Look at verse 5 through 7. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the heaven, earth lifted up his hands to heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who createth heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be no time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants, the prophets. And not only is disguised a dominant message, but it's also a determined message. 
Now John looks and he sees the mighty angel here uh, lift up his hand uh, to heaven and and promise by the power of God uh, that all things will soon come to pass. And so, so it's clear that only by the power of the eternal Creator can this angel make that declaration that all will soon come to pass. It's clear that only the, by the power of the Creator can that be done. Uh, and this could possibly be an emphasis that there will be no more delay on judgment. There's been two delays on judgment thus far, right? Paul's in chapter 7, now the Paul's in chapter 10. And this could be that emphasis that there should be time no longer. It could be that emphasis that, you know, there's not going to be any more delays. It's, it's going to go straight through. And then... But however, at this point, the final stage to the tribulation is set. It's completely set at this point. The two witnesses are fixing to come on the scene. And things are fixing to, to, to go crazy, to say the least. The mystery of God is about to come to pass. Now, just to use just one cross-reference, I'd just like to turn over to Ephesians in chapter one, I mean, chapter 3, verse 9. The Bible tells us right there, the Bible says, And to make all men, see, let's go to verse 8, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this great grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ. So there's a mystery mentioned there. There's a mystery mentioned in our text. And it says there, mystery of God should be declared, should be finished as he had declared to his servants the prophet. So getting the text, trying to figure the context of this, meaning everything spoken of by the prophet of old, seeming to be a mystery will be finished. Everything that they didn't understand then will soon be finished. Everything we don't understand now will soon be finished. Right? And so, so it's, it's not in question, it's determined. It's going to happen, uh, and time as we know it will be over. We're to our last point already. We're moving too fast. I'm just kidding. Let's, let's move on. Listen, the mysterious angel appears, right? The message the angel announces. Then I want you to notice lastly, and we'll go back to verse 2, 8 through 11. The mission the angel appoints. Verse 2, the Bible says, And he had in his hand the little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Verse 8, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. We'll stop there for a second. And so the angel is seen in verse 2, and this angel is carrying a little book, right? He's holding a little book and it's open. And now John has been instructed by the same voice that was out of heaven early. He's been instructed by that voice out of heaven to go take the book from the angel and the angel tells John to take the book from him and eat it up. That's a weird scene, don't you think? It's odd. But I'd like to take a few minutes to consider this little book for just a second. We've seen the angel, now we're seeing the little book. Notice two things here that I believe there's a meaning and there's also an application to, okay? So we're going to go with the meaning first and then I'll give you the application. Number one, I want you to notice that there is the consumption of this book. 
Verse 10, we see, And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth, sweet as honey and as my belly. I mean, as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. So it's an application here, but we're going to get the meaning first, okay? And so follow me. Listen to me for just a second. John did as he was told. He ate the book. Sure enough. Sure enough, he ate the book. And sure enough, just as he was told, it was sweet to the mouth, bitter to the stomach. We've all tasted things like that, right? Sweet to the mouth, bitter to the stomach, don't sit well later. Now we, we, know, this is not, we know this is not the first time that a prophet was told to take a book and eat it up either. And so let's think on those things for a second. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter number 3. There's got to be something that God got for us here. So Ezekiel chapter number 3, okay? Ezekiel chapter number 3, or 2. Let's start in verse 2. In chapter 2, verse 9. And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without. And there was written therein lamentation and mourning and woe. Give me just a second. Then chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it. And it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. So, we see here that this consumption is, in Ezekiel, it didn't make his belly bitter, but it made his spirit bitter. And it was sweet to the taste. Just like the book we see here. And so we must, there must be an application. So, so we must understand this. Ezekiel there was literally tasting the judgment of God upon the nations and the people of Israel. There has to be a, a correlation there. And so, so we understand that, that. Couldn't it be the same that John was doing? Revelation chapter 11 Verse 2, But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months. The judgment of Israel is fixing to take place. Right? That one was Judah. That one was, Israel was fixing to take place in, in, in Ezekiel's time. Now, this is Ezekiel's time. Now this is John's time and there's something about to take place and the judgment of Israel is about to take place. And by the way, I just want you to get this. The judgment of God is about to fall directly upon Israel. The Gentiles don't measure them. That's what it says. Don't measure the Gentiles, measure the Jews. 
Measure the Jews. Uh, and so, so, so for years prior to both uh, passages, God had sent prophets uh, and God had sent preachers uh, to warn of the impending judgment upon Israel and upon the nations. Uh, and we read in verse number 7 that the mystery of God, uh, the mystery of God should be finished. As He hath declared to His servants the prophets. Right? So we're getting this, right? We're getting what John is saying here and what everything is taking place. Everything was about to come to a close. By the way, this comes straight out of this book. And so so we see here, there's an application too that I think we can take from it. This book right here, this book right here, it is, it, it's a book that is sweet and it's a book that's bitter. And, I mean, it, it speaks of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and mercy and grace and Calvary and hope and heaven and home and salvation and so on and on. But it also speaks of wrath and chastisement and judgment and rebellion and rejection and hell. This book convicts. This book condemns. This book challenges. This book chastens. But this book changes lives too. This book is sweet and it's bitter. And this is not the book that he's got in his hand. But this book that he's got in his hand here, I can't tell you the, completely the contents, but I can sure enough tell you that I believe it has a lot to do with the judgment on Israel. I believe it does. I believe it does. Then I want you to notice not only the consumption of this book, but secondly, I want you to notice the commission to the beloved. The commission to the beloved. Verse 11, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many people, nations, tongues, and kings. After John had consumed the book, he was told he must share it with others. Amen. Missions. Hallelujah. Amen. That, that, that's, that's also... Notice this, though. This is crazy. I didn't notice this till today. That's also similar to what Ezekiel was told, too. Chapter 3 and verse 4 of the book of Ezekiel, the Bible says, And he said unto me, Son of man, go. Get thee into the house of Israel and speak unto them my words. Hey, that's the same thing John's told to do. And he's given a commission to go is what he's told. And John was told to go and tell. And that's what he's going to do. But you say, John can't go and tell. John's in his 890s, uh, and John's on Patmos. John might not be able to be a walking testimony anymore, but John can sure be a written testimony. Amen. And he goes and he tells. Amen. Uh, uh, he may never come off of Patmos to walk uh, and talk about Christ, uh, but sure he was able to write uh, and tell about Christ, friend. Uh, he was a testimony forevermore. Uh, um, he was on Patmos forevermore. Uh, we believe he probably died on Patmos, uh, um, but he is able to be a written testimony Always. And friend, I'm telling you, this book has indeed gone to all people. 
tongues, nations, and kings. It has. It's went to every one of them. And it's sad. The application that we can take from this, it's sad in the day that we live in to see men and women all across the globe to be faithful to consume the Word, but never to commit the Word to other people. It's a shame. It's sad. And millions will face judgment on these days. Millions of Jews... Millions of Gentiles, uh, millions of all the nations, tongues, and kindred uh, will face the wrath of an almighty God. uh, um, But they need to hear the good news now. We must go. We must tell. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread good tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We must tell the news to every land. Highest hills and deepest caves. We must do it because Jesus saves. And John said as he looked, he was told to go and tell. Ezekiel was told to go and tell. This is the little book and the angel. The the angel and the little book. It was sweet as honey. But man, it was bitter to the belly. And I'm telling you the truth. We need to consume the word. But man, we need to commit the word. Commit thou to faithful men. That's what the Bible says. Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, um, tells them very clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2. He said, let me see, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and verse number 2. He says, um, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. That word commit means to pass on, means to hand over, give what you got. Man, don't we want everybody else to know about Jesus? I want everybody to know. And that's our commission tonight. Just as the commission to the beloved and the commission to the prophet of old was to go and tell. John, John went, man, John went. And he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he told all about the workings of God. He told it all about. And that's what I believe this blessed book, this little book, contains. Judgment upon Israel is coming. Let's close out tonight. Lord... We love you, we thank you, we praise you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. We ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please help us in every way. We give you the thanks, the praise, help us as we move on. In Jesus' name, thank you for the book that we hold in our hand, Lord. But thank you for, Lord, the the sweetness of the word that we can hold tight. Lord, thank you, God, for the bitterness of the word, Lord, that hurts us sometimes, God, but it helps us in the end. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.